I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How surprised should we be that Vernon Hargraves has been released by the Bucks, And where do they go from here? Assuming Jameis Winston is back next year, who's the backup quarterback for 2020? And can you name a better receiver than Mike Evans, who has spent his entire career on a team with so few wins? The Bucks didn't release Bashard Perriman to gain a compensatory pick. What does that say about guys like Scotty Miller and Justin Watson? And how did the Houston Astros steal signs in the 2017 World Series? Kevin Cash finishes third in the AL Manager of the Year voting, won by Rocco Baldelli. Aaron Boone was second. We've got your mailbag questions answered 100% correctly on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with uh, producer Steve Burstick. Before we uh, get to your questions, and there are some about Vernon Hargraves, just wanted to go over that uh, real quickly with you, Steve. Of course, I found out early in the morning, even, bo- even before, according to my sources, Vernon Hargraves has been released. Missed that one by two minutes. But anyway, nonetheless, had a story on the TampaBay.com. I guess my initial reaction when I heard it and was preparing a story is that I'm not surprised. Uh, We were all there, of course, uh, after the game on Sunday when Vernon was benched for essentially loafing on a uh, on a play where he absolutely, you know, should have, could have uh, and did not make a tackle uh, on what became sort of a 55 yard, you know, catch and run uh, in that game against the Arizona Cardinals. And, you know, we talked to Vernon after the game. He seemed to think that, well, you know, this too will pass. You know, I've, I've, I've been in situations like that before, but the Andy Isabella play was was something that they weren't happy with. And, and he, he basically owned it a little bit. He said, there's there's no argument. You know, I, I need to hustle point blank, end of discussion. I'll, I'm sure I'll talk to them and uh, we'll get things straight. Well, yeah, they he talked to them. <laughs> they called him in on Tuesday morning. Uh, Jason Light did. And, uh him and Bruce Arians had decided, you know what, we're good. We we're uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, and 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 waive you. Um, and he is subject to waivers because he hadn't completed four years. And uh, you know, good luck. And we're going to go with the younger guys. Now, it's a weird time to do it because the Bucks have a bunch of injuries, as you know, at, at defensive back. And it's one of those situations where um, you've got you know Carlton Davis has missed the last two games with. Uh, with an injury, uh, I think MJ Stewart hurt himself in that game last week, so he's he's on the shelf a little bit. So they they promoted Mazzy Wilkins, the kid from USF, from the practice squad to the active roster. So you're happy for him, but basically they're going to go, of course, with Sean Murphy Bunting, who is already starting, and yes, Jamel Dean. So the, those are things that might happen here soon. But as far as Vernon goes, this is look. I, I said it in in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com. It's about accountability, but you know it's also about accounting because what the Bucks had done is guaranteed him uh, this fifth-year option they picked up, which is nine million dollars, and it, it it you don't guarantee it against anything really except injury, and so what that means is if he were to get hurt at any point this year and couldn't pass a physical, say come March, 
whether he can play or not, that that nine million is his. And so if you you know the minute you decide, you know what, I think we're okay, we can move on from Vernon Hargraves. You have to release them because if he goes out there, you know, on Sunday against the New Orleans Saints and has another shoulder injury or tears his knee up or whatever. Um, you could be looking at not wanting or having the player and then still having to pay them and having that much money taken off your salary cap. And we already know they got players to sign, whether it's Shaq Barrett or, hell, I don't know, JPP or Carl Nassib. You know, there's a lot of free agents that you might want to bid to get back. Uh, and that $9 million can go a long way, along with what you're probably going to likely have to increase the salary of Jameis Winston and such. So, um, disappointing i mean i think i think his career uh you know clearly he he it's not his fault he was overdrafted but to be the 11th overall pick out of florida and to have this reputation as a ball hawk and you're sitting here after i don't know 36 39 starts whatever it is with just two career interceptions and 18 pass breakups and to put that in perspective i mean jamal dean started one game right and then played the fourth quarter, or a little bit of the fourth quarter of the other one, and he already has one interception and nine pass breakups. So, I mean, he's like halfway home to, to Hargraves. Um, so, you know, the production just wasn't there, and, and Vernon's a smaller player. He's 5'11", you know, 205 or whatever it is. I don't even think he's 210. Uh, and we see the size of these receivers now. I mean, they're getting bigger and bigger. I mean, these guys, um, you know, are, are physical and tall and – um, you know, it's getting harder and harder to, to have a smallish corner. Uh, and so you saw the guys that the Bucks drafted, uh, like Jamal Dean and some of the others are, are bigger men, longer um, for sure. And so, you know, I, I just think that, you know, he the tape wasn't good. Uh, remember the two plays he made this season, at, you know, against Carolina with the stop uh, on Kirsten McCaffrey that won the game. And then he had a pick six against San Francisco in the opener. And really, that's the only two plays I remember. So... Um, the Bucks did what they felt they had to do. And, oh, yeah, Steve, it sends a message to the rest of the team. I think that's the most important part, particularly with a very young secondary. I do, too. And a team that's three and six. And it's, it's easy for players or, you know, perceived for players to say, ah, I don't need to try that hard. This season's over. This is sending a message to that young secondary. And it's, quite frankly, it's giving that young secondary more playing experience this year. I mean, the odds of making the playoffs at this point are slim. That's right. So by cutting him, not only is it the accounting part of it, but the accountability part and teaching these young guys and giving these young guys more playing time. Yeah. For the Bucks, it's it's it makes all the sense in the world. It's disappointing, and you know, and we have questions about the 2016 draft class, which there's one player left on for Mm -hmm. the Bucks, which. You know, when you have a draft, you know, three years later that you've got one player left on. Uh, it's brutal. That that can that sets organizations back. I mean, you can't miss sure whole draft classes like that. And Mm-mm. that's one of the problems the Bucks have right now and why they continue to have losing records year after year. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had a coach, an assistant coach, tell me today that he goes, look, at the finances, you know, it's not the finances. Like, that. that's a thing, right? But um, they just couldn't get him to play you know, the the way they need them to play. And, you know, it, it can be a message, but the message is that, you know, playing losing football is not good. <laughs> you know, we're not going to have it. So um, if you're not helping us win, then you're holding us back and, you know, you can you can move on. But I, I, I'm sure because, Vern, first of all, Vernon's a very likable guy. I mean, mm-hmm. he's 
he's from here. He went to Wharton. I don't think that helped him, by the way. I think sometimes, you know, people thrive based on where they're drafted and which team they go to. I really do think that's a big thing in pro sports. Um, I think Dalvin Cook going to Minnesota was huge for him, you know, from some of the bad influences and and the hangers-ons he had in in South Florida. Um, If he had gone to the Dolphins, he might be a different player and not a good one. Um, but there's a, there's a theory, you know, I know when the Bucks were looking at it, that they, they were afraid of Dalvin Cook, some of the off-field stuff, if he were in the state of Florida. I wasn't far enough away. But in Minnesota, everything's kind of gone. You know, he's just focused on football, and um, everything seems to be going pretty well. With Vernon, I'm not sure it did him a favor coming home. You know, I, I just think that, you know, a lot of times, it's kind of like when you go to college in your hometown, it feels more like 13th grade, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you're hanging out with the same knuckleheads you always did, but you're in, you're in college now. You're paying them to go to school instead. But it's kind of like, you know, there's nothing's really changed since high school. Um, that's, that's kind of the feeling I got with Hargraves. Um, but, you know, he also was injured for two years of the four, um, which is weird that you'd guarantee him $9 million against injury. Um, but that's what they did. So, yeah, they just came to a point where I think Arians is like, look, you know, he's not helping us win. And, you know, the one thing uh, I wrote about this, too, in the Tampa Bay Times is that, you know, the one thing Arians said, you know, earlier in the year that if you can't play hard, you can't play here. And he didn't play hard enough. You know, maybe that's because he didn't have great role models either. I mean, we saw Brent Grimes take a lot of plays off, and that was – sort of the guy that was starting opposite him when he came into the league. So, he didn't take plays off. He just wasn't paid enough to play hard. Well, that's, that's right. Yeah, you don't pay me to guard the best receiver. You pay me to guard the second or the third best receiver. <laughs> I'm not going to play man-to-man. I'm going to play zone. You pay me to play zone. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. But um, <laughs> at any rate, so, yeah, happy trails to, uh, to Vernon Hargraves. Again, a, a guy that I enjoyed covering. Um, and, and I'm sure he'll, you know, because of his pedigree and, um, there'll, there'll be a team out there that will pick him up. Might not be for $9 million, but, uh, but they certainly can, um, uh, he'll get another chance to play in the NFL. I believe now the tape is not good. So he, he, he might be on the outside looking in for a while, but we'll see if anybody claims him first and foremost. Well, let's start our so questions with, that, with Vernon Hargraves because we got a couple absolutely. other questions. Some of it was yeah, already describing why, but sure, sure. Uh, Ellis asked, do the Bucks bring in someone to replace Hargraves, or do they roll with who they've got? Well, I think initially, at least, and they've got some injuries, they're going to go with what they've got. And I think that, you know, that was the intent was let's create an opportunity for somebody. And, and I think that somebody is Jamel Dean right now. And, you know, look, at some point, Carlton Davis will come back from his injury. And when he does, he'll, he'll – probably be back on the field or he might have to compete right now they got sean murphy murphy bunting who they really like who's who has improved especially since the preseason i mean i've talked to him a bunch of times and he was like man i was you know kind of a deer in the headlights and i mean here's a kid that went to central michigan that had you know less than ten thousand fans in his in you know at his stadium against the rival and then he goes to the nfl and you know it's just different man the scrutiny is different um the game is faster everybody's great uh, it's taken him a few weeks, but now he's playing. You know, he's playing his best football. So, um, you know, they'll go with him, and then, uh, you know, uh, we're, we'll get into this later. But like, their only member of their entire 2016 draft class is Ryan Smith, and he came into the game the other day for Hargraves, and on the first or second snap, he gave up a you know 65-yard touchdown pass. They yanked him out. So that's not a very good thing. But 
you can't have enough corners, and I don't know that they'll go outside. I mentioned Mazzy Wilkins is going to come up from the practice squad because they are a little nicked up. Um, I guess it's possible, but I think they believe in their young guys, and, and you know that's who you want to play, so it doesn't make sense bringing in a veteran that you think um, you know that's going to want to start right away and, and go from there. So I think I think it's the it's the how fast can this young defense grow up? And look, they have only where only place they have to go is up because they are last in the NFL in pass defense. You can't go any further, any further down. So they're giving up almost 300 yards a game. So I think they just feel like, hey, these next seven weeks, let's let's get these guys as many reps as we can. Okay, Bob emailed us and said, they say you can't judge a draft until three to five years afterwards. Now, the Bucks' 2016 draft notably included Vernon Hargraves, Roberto Aguayo, and Noah Spence. Ryan Smith's the only player left, and he was suspended four games for PEDs and was last seen giving up a long TD against the Cardinals. Do we need to wait until the five-year mark to grade this draft? Um, hell to the no. Of course not, because you're down to Ryan Smith, which means you just about you know, voided your entire year of draft picks. I mean, that that's can be debilitating for any, any NFL team. What have we said this year that, you know what, um, the Miami Dolphins aren't getting any draft picks this year? No way. We're just going to make them sit out. I mean, what would, you know, no one would go for that because it's, it's so damaging. Well, this is essentially the same thing. Um, we didn't even mention that Devontae Bond was another guy they released this year. And then we found out after they released him that he did PEDs, that he was going to be suspended. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the guys that they picked, you know, we, we know that Aguayo didn't work out. I still think that the owners put their thumb on the scale for him. I'll never never be convinced really otherwise. Um, but that certainly was a, it was a horrible pick, as it turned out. He was done after a year. Noah Spence is, you know, was a smallish defensive end that didn't fit anybody's scheme. Uh, outside linebacker maybe, but you know now he's with the Washington Redskins. At least he's in football. Um, some of those other guys, you know, are not. Uh, Danny Vitale is is, uh, I believe, in Green Bay as a fullback. So there's some guys still in the league, but not here. And and it just it's terrible. I mean it. I don't. You know, it's very hard to to. And that was, you know, Lovey Smith was here the first two years, and he drafted Jameis in 2015. And that was a pretty good draft with – and I'm not saying Jason Light didn't help. I mean, he was his GM second year by then. Um, but you got Ali Marped and, you know, you got a bunch of guys, Donovan Smith, that Juan Alexander, that were pretty good rookies that year. I thought that was a really – that was probably their best class. But then the next year, you know, the first year without Lovey for Jason by himself, I mean, to, to swing and miss on that many guys is, is just – is no, you don't have to wait. I mean, we know – we know the answer. They're not good NFL football players. In some cases, they're not in the NFL. So, yeah, not just uh, not every draft has to be judged three to five years down the road. You can do that before. All right. Well, Tom asks, and referring to drafting in that, with a 30 and 59 record, not only does Jason Light have one of the worst records of all GMs in the NFL, he now has only one special teams player to show for the 16 draft, Ryan Smith, that started with top 10 picks in each round three and a half years ago. How low do you rank him out of 32 GMs in the league? Man, that's really tough. <laughs> just, you're asking a beat guy this. I mean, uh, uh, I don't know. You know, I don't know the other 31, I mean, honestly. But but look, I mean, it's it goes without saying, right, that, that very few, if any, GMs are going to get a four-year extension with a fifth-year option with his record, okay? Now, if he was, if he was the worst – draft guy or GM in the world 
you know, even the Bucks would move on from him. So yeah, yeah, he's had an entire 2016 draft wiped out. Um, you know, some other picks that we could certainly scrutinize. But then he's also he's also you know done some things um, to build around Jameis. I mean, um, I mentioned the two offensive linemen. Uh, you know, Chris Godwin was not a was not a bad pick. O.J. Howard, I don't think was a bad pick. He took Cam Brait, uh, you know, a guy off of waivers that was undrafted. He's done some nice things uh, offensively, in particular. You know, he's found some people. I think Vita Vey is going to be a good player. I don't know that he's going to get ten sacks a year. He's not Aaron Donald, um, but I think he's going to be okay. Uh, and you know, in, in this year's draft, I mean, Devin White's got to become, you know, Patrick Willis. He's got to become uh, just an elite. Uh, talented guy, and and um, it's still too early to really judge him as a rookie. But there have been some hits, you know, and and even you know getting Carl Nassib off waivers. What about Shaq Barrett? Was that a pretty good pre agent signing? So, you know, there there are there are hits and misses in this league with every team. Uh, and I'm not his agent. I'm not here to defend him that way. Um, but you know, as they say in the NFL, the record will tell you who you are. You don't have to. You don't have to try to tell other people. Uh, ultimately, that's going to be, that's going to be, you know, your judgment. So, um, is he thirty second? I don't know, you know, um, but he's not in the top half right now because his team has only had one winning season since since he got here, and you know, with Lovey Smith. So, um, I know he wants to do better, and you know, him and Bruce might be a better combination than Dirk or or, or even Lovey when he was here. So. I guess we got to give him time to see how this draft works out and then what he does next year and so on. But, um, you know, certainly the record is, is not good. All right, Brian asked, to build on yesterday's podcast, that if the Bucks continue to win, Jameis would be the best option. Do you see the Bucks adding a veteran quarterback to push Jameis in year two? Or have, as we've seen around the league, that you need a quarterback two option with experience because he may be called on to start part of the season? You know that's a great question, and I don't I don't really know, but but I would suspect that they would do something different with their quarterback position. Now they like Ryan Griffin again. I think he's a free agent. I don't know what Ryan wants to do. It, it would seem to me that whether you keep Jameis or don't, he's only here on one year deal, right? It's most likely going to be a franchise tender. You can franchise him twice, but you might want to find a young quarterback to develop behind him. Uh, and maybe he's your number three. But if you think your team is better, you know, this is the key. Like, I'm sure they didn't expect to be two and six. But if they thought they had a Super Bowl team, right, they would have a capable backup quarterback. And I'm not saying Ryan Griffin isn't capable. We just don't know. I mean, he's 29 years old. He hasn't played yet. You know, he's Moonlight Graham at this point. For those of you who don't know, look up, look it up. It's a, it's a great <laughs> reference. I'm not going to tell you. Um, no, they're playing there. in Iowa this coming season. So, <laughs> well, there is this. Yeah, the White Sox and Yankees will be playing there. <laughs> right. Go go watch Field of Dreams. Um, but uh, <laughs> but they're going to need somebody somebody who has played and and maybe you know had success. So, my guess is that you know this year was about Jameis not looking over his shoulder. Next year will be about Jameis looking forward towards a, a postseason, hopefully and. You know, you can't let a backup quarterback get in the way. So I would think they'd do something different. I, I don't know that they're going to go sort of what the Titans did, which was, you know, no, we're not waiting on Marcus Mariota. Let's go get Ryan Tannehill, somebody that's played, somebody that can jump in and win right away. And so they benched Marcus. Like, I don't know it's going to be that guy. 
Um, but it might be a combination of a young guy and somebody who has who has played before, uh, rather than Ryan Griffin as a number two. But we we'll, we'll find out. I mean, I I don't have, I know they like Ryan a lot, and maybe they just reloaded. But it seems to me they they got to think about the future of that position. That's a tough position to fill, and you don't always have to get a guy in the first round. I mean, like we just watched Russell Wilson. You know, he he had a great you know, fifth year, senior year at Wisconsin, and he went all the way to the third round. So maybe you'll get lucky and find a quarterback, uh, you know, after the first two rounds. LG21 asks, before the Bucks decide to pay Winston, would they first look at other quarterbacks available? Have to think Cam Newton and Teddy Bridgewater would be upgrades. Matt Stafford may be available too. I mean, I think you know the field, you know, and he, he just named some of it. Um, there could be some surprises, you know. I mean, Andy Dalton will probably be out there, I would imagine. Um, you know, you could have Eli Manning. I've heard Philip Rivers. I mean, you could go the route with any of those guys. You're going to have to pay them. You know, they're not coming. They're not going to walk in anywhere for free, and those are guys that have commanded top dollar in a lot of cases. But, yeah, I mean, you, before you pay Winston, you look at everything. I mean, you look at what's in the draft. You look at where you're picking. You look at what, you know, what – currency you would have to move up if there was a guy that you liked there um mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market i think you have to i i i think newton is going to move on from carolina i'm fairly certain that's going to happen i don't know about the others you know but yeah i mean Absolutely. Do you look at other quarterbacks? You do. And then you're probably going to pay Winston <laughs> because uh, the other guys aren't going to be so much better. And they're not coming cheap either, by the way. I mean, Cam Newton's not playing for free, you know. So you could wind up paying somebody else. You know, sometimes it's the devil you know, right, than one that you don't. And, um, you know, they, they may, if they're going to go that route with a veteran quarterback, they may just take their own who's still only 25 years old. I mean, this is the thing, like, He's got, you know, he's going to have five years experience and he's still a baby. So there's still there's still some upside there. But they'll definitely do their homework if they haven't done it already. Buck North asks, in the last few weeks, we've seen Jameis Winston use his legs more than we saw in the first few weeks. Is this because he's getting a better grasp of the offense? I think it's a combination of that. I, I think that, you know, uh, his desire to not turn the ball over probably is is steering that a little bit. And also the defenses you played. They played a couple teams that run a lot of a lot of too deep, a lot of zone. And when they do that, you know, there's some gaps um that, that you can certainly exploit as a runner, as a quarterback, unless they're spying on you or something like that. So Jameis has mentioned, you know, some of the defenses he's he's seen the last couple of weeks, which hasn't been the case all year. So I just think he's I think he's protecting the ball better. Um uh, not taking sacks. Oh, there's a big difference between you know, second and 10 or second and 18. Um, and, and so I just think he's making better decisions with it. All right, Mike asks, the Bucks decided not to release Brashard Perryman for a fourth-round compensatory pick. What does it say about draft picks Scotty Miller and Justin Watson? Well, uh, they don't really play the same positions. And, and um, 
here's what I mean by that. I mean, Perriman is a slot, is a definite slot receiver. And so, you know, he's a speed guy, obviously. So is Scotty Miller. But Scotty Miller is more of a Deshaun Jackson type. You know, a guy that's going to play outside and just run by people. Um, you know, the way they use their slot receiver, he's going out there and rooting out some linebackers in the run game. I mean, they do it with physical, big physical guys. And, and so it's just it's just their preference for this offense. That's why, you know, Adam Humphreys was allowed to lead. It wasn't because he wasn't productive. He caught 71 balls. And I think Jameis misses him terribly. Um, but he wasn't going to be that guy, right? And, you know, as far as Justin Watson, he kind of backs up Godwin and Evans, you know, mostly mostly Evans, but, like, he's on the outside. And if no one gets hurt, you know, he, he's not going to do certain things that Perriman does. I was surprised just because I don't think Perriman is very productive, to say the least, when you look at the number of targets and the number of catches he has. He's also been prone to, uh, you know, to injury. So it would seem to me, much like, you know, you just decided – um, you know, to move along from Vernon Hargraves, uh, you could have gotten a fourth-round draft pick and gotten some value out of Perriman. So that surprised me. Les ask, is Mike Evans going to go down in NFL history as the best wide receiver on the worst team ever? His best years are being wasted. They are. You can say that about a lot of Buccaneers. I don't know. We, we kind of kicked this around a little bit. I, I couldn't really come up with a, you know, I think you came up with the best one in Calvin Johnson. I think that's probably the gold standard for a guy that's was almost a gold jacket type player that would they go to the playoffs once or twice when he was there? I want to say that's it. that was it. I'm I'm going to try to look yeah. it up here as we're talking. Um you mentioned Steve Largent. Yep, yep. Um now great. You, they went to the playoffs found... I think four times in his career, mostly late in his yeah. career. Yeah, that's a lot, you know. Um Chad Ochocinco um did twice with the Bengals and then he played New England for a season. Of course, you make the playoffs every year there. Right, right. But that's not a bad comparison. I mean, Ocho Cinco was really good. I mean, look, this is the amazing thing. I'm sure I'm going to be writing about it this weekend and beyond. But, like, you know, with just a few more yards, and it'll probably happen this week, Mike Evans is going to have another 1,000-yard season, and that would be six in a row to start his career. And only Randy Moss in the entire history of the league has had 1,000 yards receiving their first six years. Mike Evans, and it will be Mike Evans and Randy Moss. Man, talk about some elite company. And if he does it again, he'll be standing atop the NFL for history. When you start saying things like, um, you know, the most in NFL history, that's a little different now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's that's like, that's special, man. That is that is really special. And so that's kind of where Mike is at. I mean, that's that's where I hold him anyway. Calvin Johnson did go to the playoffs twice with the Lions for two losses. Okay. We brought up A.J. Okay. Green, too. But if you remember, yes. I think the first four seasons that he and Andy Dalton, they were drafted the same year. Uh, they did well. They Yeah, they went to the playoffs. They lost all four of those playoff years. But they did right. make the playoffs, right. I think, each of their first four seasons. Yeah, Mike or, has not sniffed it. Mike's had one winning season in his entire career. One. One winning season. Yeah, that's, that's hard. And, and, you know, he Ooh. is an elite receiver. Mm-hmm. Joshua asked, I noticed Levante David with the green dot on his helmet this week. When did Levante David start wearing the defensive headset, and does it correlate with Devin White's increased productivity? Is it possible taking some responsibility away from him as letting him play faster? Well, I think it would make him play faster. Um, I, I think what happened was, you know, we know that 
starting out the season, Devin White was calling the green dot. By the way, is is sort of a an indicator that 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 helmet has the communicator, you know, from the walkie-talkie, uh, from the defensive coordinator to the to the player. Um, but you know, when Devin got hurt, that was it, right? I mean, he was the, you needed somebody to call the defense, and and so went with Levante. Uh, and and Devin is still sort of working his way back into it, so maybe they're not ready just yet to hand it to Devin. I mean, eventually Devin will call it and plans to call it. But you got a guy that's been out there nine years or whatever, and and it just makes sense right now. So I think that's what it is. It's about the injury, um, and just having him focus on the physical and not worry too much about having to get guys lined up and stuff like that. I mean, Levante's been you know been here for years, and and he knows pretty much everything that's going on in front of him. Well, Joshua had a follow-up question on Levante David, and he said, with the defensive scheme change, will Levante be evaluated for end-of-the-season awards as an inside linebacker? If so, will that result in recognition commensurate with his production? He's been getting snubbed far too long. I hadn't thought about it, but yes. Uh, the answer is yes. He will probably have a much better chance because the outside linebackers in the 4-3 um, are going up against, uh, you know, three, four defensive ends. I mean, guys that are essentially like JPP. I mean, JPP is not a linebacker, right? But he is in this off this defense. So, um, absolutely. I think, uh, I think with him, him as listed as an inside linebacker, um, especially in the three, four, I think, I think he could and, and probably should. I mean, he deserves, he's been to one pro bowl. I think, man, this guy's a really good player and a good off the field guy and good locker room guy. And everybody was raving about him. So, yeah, I, I hope he is listed as an inside linebacker, and that should get him more votes. We'll switch to baseball now, and Joshua asks, Kevin Cash was just voted third for AL Manager of the Year. Your thoughts? My thoughts are he got ripped off. <laughs> I mean, third? He was a distant third, um, too. Yeah. He got three, three, three first-place votes. I believe, yeah. uh, if I recall, Aaron, Aaron Boone and uh, – Rocco Baldelli, who won it, both got 13 first-place votes, and I think Kevin Cash got three. I'll tell you, the big surprise wasn't that he lost or even maybe that he finished third. It was that they actually gave it to the right to, you know, to a, a, a worthy guy. I think Rocco Baldelli was a good choice. If Cash couldn't win it, I, I think Baldelli was an mm-hmm. excellent choice. And he's a former race bench coach and all of that. Um, but nobody forecasted the Twins would do what they did. Not that everybody, you know, remember, the Rays won 90 games a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, again, I think he does more with less than anybody in the major leagues. You can look it up. Um, and he managed to improve on that. And, you know, I'm sure the votes were taken before the playoffs. But to see what they did, you know, in games three and four of the of the divisional series with the Astros, I mean, I don't know what else you could ask Cash to do with the number of injuries and the guys on the DL um, you know, he was terrific, uh, but Baldelli was really good too. And, and there was a time when people were feeling sorry for the Yankees. I never got that by the way, but there were people feeling sorry for the number of Yankee injuries. Um, and you knew he would get some votes, but yeah, cash being last just doesn't feel right to me. It's, it just doesn't. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of figured Aaron Boone was going to either win it or take second just because it's New York and. You know, right. anytime New York makes the playoffs, it's pretty much a shoe in. Their manager's going to, you know, be up for awards. But I, I thought the order should have. You could have Cash or Baldelli take your pick, and yeah. Boone, Boone should have been third. That was that's should've what I third. think should have happened. But you know, yep. Baldelli winning in. Do I think Kevin Cash got screwed on that? No, but I think he mm-hmm. should have finished ahead of Aaron Boone. I do too. 
And I'm sure he's thrilled for Rocco. I mean, you know, that was his bench coach, so I'm sure that's cool. Well, I'm not sure if you saw the story today, but Mike Fires, the uh, pitcher who pitched for the Astros in 2017, now I believe with the Athletics, uh, he went on and said that the Astros in 2017 were stealing signs with a camera out in center field. And so rooting for UF asked, thoughts on Houston stealing signs for the mailbag? I noticed in the ALDS that Tampa Bay was giving multiple signs with no one on base. Well, look, you also remember that Tyler Glass now pitched and the first six guys up got hits in, in the last game he pitched there, and, and they were on everything, you know. They weren't, they weren't flinching at breaking balls or anything else. So. But in that case, he was tipping pitches, and it was pretty obvious. He was tipping them, but but again, it makes if, if Mike Fires is right. First of all, if he's right, this is one of the biggest scandals since the the you know the Black Sox. I mean this this is the this is this is bigger than the New England Patriots and Spygate, kind of on the same level. But I mean, really, a camera for a world a World Series champion, and we all remember that. I mean, it wasn't that long ago, 2017, but that would just be unbelievable. That, that an organization would try that. That would make them – that would put them in Patriots, uh, they, <laughs> Patriots Hall of They've level. been accused of a lot lately from anywhere from whistling from the dugout to signal pitches to hitters or uh, taking bats and hitting buckets to signal pitches to cameras wow. to uh, – these are all wow. accusations. But there's been a lot of them surrounding Houston the last few years. You, know, well, you, start, like you start to go in if there's smoke, is there fire? Yes, or or Mike fires. Yeah, well. uh, 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 yeah, yeah. Smoke is Mike. Mike fires and Mike fires. Um, it's like uh, Ricky Bobby said: if you're not cheating, you ain't trying, right? Was that Ricky Bobby? I may be misquoting Ricky Bobby, but um, you know, I thought the uh, somebody had the the parallel with the with the Patriots is interesting because <laughs> all they had was was Spygate, and then they had uh, you the know gate. Tom Brady with the Flake Gate, so all kinds of gates with those guys but but uh, you yeah. know i mean uh, and stealing signs is part of baseball you know mm-hmm. if, if the runner on second stealing you, signs if you do it the right way tipping pitches but yeah. if you're using cameras in the outfield or you know they've been it's accused terrible. of they've been accused of putting an iphone camera in the camera well and aiming to the mound uh, to steal signs and stuff like that i mean they've been accused that's of a lot terrible. of terrible um you know if you're doing yeah. that and that's that's strictly against the rules i mean you know if the runner on second base steals a sign that's fair game uh, absolutely which is why that's why you, you, know, that's why you have signs and change signs and multiple pitches down yeah. and you know you do that's all right. that but yeah that's right. if it, you know it definitely would tarnish that world series Oh, you think? I, I'm telling you, it would be bigger than the Black Sox game. If they could prove that they had a camera and were somehow relating mm-hmm. uh, some kind of relatable sign to their hitter in real time while he's up, man, that's a story. A lot of people would be headed to Las Vegas to pick up their winning winning tickets, you know? I mean, you know, It's, it's funny because the Astros were the team that the Cardinals hacked their computer systems. That's right. And got in trouble a few years ago, and everyone felt sorry for wow. Houston in that. And now, if Houston's been cheating all this time on other ways, it's kind of oh my goodness. Uh, ironic may not be the right word, but yeah, it is. I think it is ironic. But you know, it, and then granted, this is all accusations at this point. But there's quite a few of them, and it seems like more and more are coming out all the time. But is there? Would there be seriously? Would there be a bigger deal? I mean, they could strip them of their title, right? And dock them draft picks. Or do I mean? I don't know. I don't know if what baseball could, could do in that case. I don't. I. I, I don't know. And you, now you're two, three years out too. So, 
If you could prove it, though, I mean, that's the thing. How are they going to prove this? Well, the baseball is apparently doing an investigation, and you know, the Houston GMs. You know, I've heard these you know things too, and we're looking into it. And <laughs> you are you now? Okay. Yeah. And then you add their assistant we're... GM, and you know, who went after some female reporters in the locker room after the oh, yeah. you know the the World Series win and. There was a time when not a I lot liked of good looks coming out of, the, out of Houston. Yeah, they're 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 kind of a dumpster fire. Aside from their immense talent that wins World Series, of course, but uh, but there's there's a lot of stuff that comes with that right now. Yes, there is. All right, B tweeted us: Does USF move on from Charlie Strong after the season? And any idea on a replacement? If so. Well, look, I, I don't know that they're going to win another game, Steve. Do you think? Uh, do you think there's a game on the schedule they can win? You got Cincinnati and Memphis at home, but those teams are much better than you. So much better, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, now it's since, possible. Since Cincinnati I guess. two weeks ago went to East Carolina and barely won. Had to go to overtime to beat them. Um, right, right. You, you know, and that was that's a team that USF beat. So, right. You know, I mean, and any Saturday anything can happen. But Cincinnati and Memphis are much better than them. Then they go to UCF to end the season. UCF's a better team than USF this year. They're not, so they're not they the same win, team that we've seen the last couple of years, but they're still a better team. Yeah. It's hard to see them winning another game. If they don't win another game, then I think it's hard to see Charlie back. In fact, if I could get the Arkansas job and I was Charlie Strong, I'd go for it, you know? Oh, I think any any uh, any Power Five job that opens up that he gets hired for, yeah, he would he's be gone. gone. I mean, yeah, I don't. I think absolutely. I, I I you know I think he's looked every year for a Power Five job. Yeah, I, I do mean, too. When you when you've coached at two different Power Five locations and now you're coaching in the AAC, you're looking to get back. Mm, I mean, yeah, of course. Now, you know, if someone's going to hire him, we'll see. But you know, I I don't I don't think there's any question that you know, regardless of whether he wins the next three and goes to a bowl game if a power five school calls he's going yeah he's out of here yeah agreed i mean that's just what that's that's life in the aac it doesn't matter you know i get, I, I just i get a feeling and i don't have i don't know why and i'm not i'm not advocating he'd be fired because I, I frankly haven't studied it close enough to know whether he deserves to be back or not but i do get a feeling that if he doesn't win there's going to be a change it just feels that way to me and who would i recommend arkansas state's blake anderson <laughs> that's the only coach i know Hey, look, they could do worse. A lot of these guys have come from ASU, and, you know, that's the cradle of coaches in the SEC right now. Mm-hmm. The one thing I will say about Charlie, and, you know, we, we talked about this with Willie Taggart at Florida State, too, is, you know, Charlie Strong has cleaned up a lot of this program, too. I mean, there was oh, a lot yeah, of disciplinary yes. issues in that that he took over, um, kicked some players off. Uh, you know, so part of this is he's been cleaning up this program. Add to it that – the American Athletic Conference has gotten better. The, the mm-hmm. amount of teams in the American Athletic Conference that are now competing on a national level in the top 20, 25 consistently from, you know, UCF and Cincinnati, Cincinnati's come back. Uh, Houston's Memphis. much better with Dana Holgerson, you know, Tom Herman before mm-hmm. that, Holgerson. And then you got, SMU is doing very well with Sonny Dykes now. That The conference right. has gotten significantly better, too. And mm-hmm. that hasn't helped him. But he's also been cleaning up some issues and problems, much like Willie Taggart was trying to do at Florida State. Whether he was successful or not, that's a different story. But we know there was some problems, and, and Jimbo Fisher had kind of stopped recruiting and some issues there. So whether, the, you know, the question for USF is, is how are recruits in the future looking for him? 
You, yeah. know, you, you were hopeful Kerwin Bell was going to be help on offense. It hasn't really developed right? this year. It hasn't worked. Granted, yeah. Blake Barnett got hurt. You know, McLeod is young. You know, will he develop in, in another year on that offense? Um, do you yeah. want to make a change so quickly? How, how is, you know, quite frankly, at this level, Charlie Strong, you know, how is he with the boosters? And if the money's still right. coming in from the boosters, I don't think I don't think USF makes a change yet this year. Um, but yeah. a, a lot I of that's not. driven by that, too. Um, you know, everyone mm-hmm. talks about Jim Harbaugh being on the hot seat sometimes at Michigan every time they lose a big game. But the fact of the matter is, is the money's pouring in from boosters at Michigan, so they're not going to fire him. Now, Harbaugh may choose to leave at some point, but until the money dries up, there's no way that Michigan's ever firing Harbaugh. I mean, that's right. just, it's the financial part. I mean, the Willie Taggart thing, you know, it took him having some really bad losses, several of them this year, for the boosters to finally pay up and get rid of them. It's, you know, it was a financial thing. Yeah. You know, once they got enough money to do it and they said, we, we can't afford not to, then you do it. Um, I, I don't I don't think USF, I'm not the expert on that. And we can talk to Matt Baker about this tomorrow. I think I think he gets another season at USF. Yeah, I mean, and, and I hope he does. I, I just, you know, I mean, Mike Kelly, I mean, Kelly didn't hire him, so you know he's going to get an evaluation at the end of the year. But I think all the things you said about them cleaning up the program, that doesn't happen overnight. You need some time to do that, and trying to win while you're doing it is tough. So hopefully they can get another game or two. You know, make it maybe have an upset or two and have a have a decent record. But it, it's not looking good for Charlie. All right, thanks for your questions. Really good ones uh, in the mailbag today. Of course, you don't have to wait for mailbag segment. You can ask us questions anytime. Uh, do that on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud. Or, as always, my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. And uh, just for a little more college football talk, Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times will join us uh, tomorrow in the podcast to uh, set you up for the Big football weekend, and then we've got the Bucks preparing uh, to play the Saints. James Winston will have his say at the microphone uh, tomorrow as well, and we'll see what they're going to do at the cornerback position now that they are without Vernon Hargraves. And then on Friday, my radio partner, former radio partner Tom Jones, former columnist of the Tampa Bay Times, former everything except current member of the Pointer Institute of Media Studies, will come here and we'll, uh, we'll kick it like boys again. So it'll be a lot of fun. So we're here every Monday through Friday. We appreciate you guys listening. Thanks so much. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.